Hey there, welcome to the show. Yeah, here we are, another dose of Simply Real Estate right here on News Talk 1010. And we are recording, of course, out of our Simple Podcast studio. And I got to tell you, I got a great show planned for you this week. Lots to talk about. That's correct. It is time for the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And I have got a new person in the chair uh, this week. Uh, Bryn Lackey is going to be joining me. You hear Bryn all the time here on the show. Great to have her. Uh, great voice in the world of real estate, politics, everything else, because, you know, it's very well-rounded person. Great to have her on. And uh, from across the pond, Dave Butler just has to have his fix of Simply Real Estate, I think, every couple times a month. And he didn't want to miss out. So he's going to be joining us via Zoom. So I'm, I'm excited to have the two of them here so we can talk about what is going on in the world of real estate today. Here we are. You know, winding down the month of July 2023, what are people thinking? Holy smoke. So I do have a rant revved up for you this week, and I can't help myself. But before I go down that path, I do want to give you a heads up on a special simple seminar webinar coming up on Thursday, August the 24th at 7 p.m. You're going to want to join in for this. If you want to be a real estate investor... Make sure you get guaranteed rent, no tenant interaction, but how about a mortgage rate at 3.99? You can only find out that evening about this special offer I've got. It's a new release. Uh, it's you know very limited. So if you are interested in something like that, you can only find out about it you know, right here during the Simple Seminar webinar. You can tune in, go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. That's the only way you can find out about what is going to happen that evening. So Anyways, um, as I said, you know, it's it's one of those one of those weeks, you know, I've been kind of chomping at the bit, and I can't, I got I gotta tell you, you know, I've got this thing under my my skin right now, and it's really the nerve of some Toronto politicians. It's the nerve of some Ontario politicians calling out your your basic homeowner landlord to turn around and offer rentals to refugees. And you know, I'm, I'm going to let loose on this one because, you know what, I it's not that I'm against refugees. No, Biden, Biden, uh, no means, you know, um, they, they also are trying to skew in some of the new immigrants because, you know, we've got a housing situation here. And it's not that landlords are holding back their properties. Come on, folks, let's be real. Nobody wants to turn around in these this interest rate environment and not have some kind of income. But where I struggle with this is the fact that, you know, the politicians that have been duly elected have the nerve to sit there and try to guilt people into letting a stranger rent their property, no job, no income, and basically they're saying, yeah, the province is going to subsidize it. Well, you know, here's the, my experience being a landlord. When the government gets involved in the rents for tenants, they don't give the rent directly to the landlord. They turn around, they bypass the landlord, even though they're saying, here, you need to rent to these people because we're going to guarantee the rent. You didn't guarantee the rent. You put it in the tenant's hands, and then we go backwards, and the tenant doesn't pay. You wonder why we're struggling with vacancies right now. You wonder why we see so much pressure with landlords saying we're going to increase rents. It's because at this state, at this situation, the government should stay out of anything to do with telling who should be a tenant. They need to turn around and crack down on their landlord tenant board, both for tenants and for landlords. 
They need to put something proactive in place because guess what? You are creating the nightmare. You are creating the social divide between landlord and tenant. You know, years ago, tenants would peaceably, you know, very peacefully uh, pay their rents. If a landlord was bad, they'd take them to the landlord tenant board. And, you know, tenants would be paying rent so because they knew they had to. So landlords were good to their tenants. And I can tell you 20 years ago, it was a heck of a lot better place to be a landlord and a tenant. You know what? There wasn't this, this huge divide, this huge animosity that's been created by the last couple of years. Yeah. Did the Ford government really step in it during COVID? Of course they did because they turned around and said, don't pay rent. Well, you know, I understand that they were trying to help people financially saying you can't get kicked out, but you know what? They never improved the system. And there's still a backlog, by the way, there's still a backlog from 2020 of rents that haven't been paid. And yet we're all supposed to just sit there with our hands in our pockets. Now, again, there are good landlords and there are good tenants. We all know that, you know, I sometimes get take, taken to task, you know, uh, about landlords and, you know, the odd time I'll throw up a post and, you know, one of my recent posts, you know, got a fair bit of traction when I turned around and said, so where will tenants live if there's no landlords? Well, clearly the government doesn't have a clue. Okay. Like let, let, let's just stop talking about the government and properties to rent or live in. Okay. They're, 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 they're just politicians. They're talking heads and they, and, and, and they change with the wind. They have no idea for a solution. They don't care to have a solution. It's because they can hop on the next narrative that comes around and they'll get a bunch of people all revved up and that's where they're going to get their votes. So again, the solution, is there one? Yeah, of course there's a solution, but it's not going to come from the hierarchy of the government sitting there saying, and hey, you must do this. It's not going to happen. Okay. Clearly. I'm sorry, but they don't have an idea. You know, if they were smart, and I use that term very carefully, if they were smart, with the recent increase of vacancy in commercial buildings in downtown Toronto, I mean, we're almost looking at 18% vacancy. We're talking millions of square feet. And you're asking a landlord to put somebody into a property with no guarantee of the rent, when you, the government, could turn around and say, tell you what, Mr. Superstar, you know, landlords of commercial properties, we're going to rent three floors. We're going to do a quick conversion, make them so they fit a residential nature, and we're going to use that space for a year and we're going to pay you. Guess what? Ding, 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 ding. There's one of your solutions out of the gate. But yet, do you even consider that? No. You'd rather sit there and make the just mom and dad landlord turn around, be responsible for your inadequacy of actually creating up a solution. Like, let's think about this. You've got a solution. It's in front of you, okay? Go to downtown Toronto. You're going to see it. I mean, you want downtown Toronto landlords to take care of it. Why not think outside the box and say, hey, I'm going to help the commercial landlord. We, the government, are going to rent out a million square feet. We're going to give you a five-year lease. We're going to convert it into a residential nature, okay? We're going to use it temporarily. Guess what? You've got the power. You know what? You got that, you know, you can wave your magic wand and, and, and approve it. And you're going to have a solution. Do you know what kind of, you know, residence you can create very quickly? Everything's in place. The structure's there. But yet, none of you are sitting there saying that's an option. Why is it not an option? You know, last time I checked, a lot of new immigrants and a lot of refugees, they don't have cars. Are you worried about parking? Come on. How about your next excuse? You're worried about, oh, we can't do it fast enough? It's already built. 
It has plumbing. Okay, it's got elevators. All you need to do is take a look at an office and say, well, we could turn that into seven bedrooms, one kitchen, and there you go. You got how many people you can house? You can put 20 people here. No problem. You could turn around and do this, but no. You want to sit there and say, we're not going to do a damn thing. We're going to let the public do it. We're going to guilt you into doing something. You're going to make other people turn their backs against landlords who don't want to rent to unqualified tenants. Did you ever think that that's not a good thing? An unqualified tenant. What? So now you take the, you take the burden off yourselves, put it on somebody else? How does the average mom and dad landlord, the person that only wants to own maybe one or two, they're creating a future for their kids. Yeah, I get it. Some of you tenants are sitting there going, boo, hoo, hoo. Yeah, interest rates went up. Good. Not good. Because why it's not good is it's going to put pressure on your relationship. Because a landlord's you know, back is against the wall. They're going, listen, I can't financially hang on. I didn't do this out of greed. I didn't do it out of speculation. Okay, speculators, sure, get, get annoyed at that. Okay, yeah, some of them, did they drive a little bit of the price? Of course they did. But the typical person that became a landlord, the person that was an investor, the person that was looking for their future, it made sense. And it makes sense to you and you know it. But where it comes down to is now you want to turn around and punish those people. And I know some of you think that, you know, people turn around, they were greedy, they jumped into a marketplace, they turned around and said, oh, yeah, with cheap money, I'm going to do this. Look, the government tricked you again. The government told you it wasn't going to do anything with interest rates for years to come. Go spend money. We're going to raise it. We raise it slow. So that means everybody could turn around and hop into a fixed rate mortgage and we wouldn't feel this. But again, what did the government do? Bait and switch. Okay. And that's the problem that we have. There's solutions out there. Okay. But we can't rely on them to solve it. Because if they did, if they were smart, they would step up. They would turn around and look at some of these commercial buildings and say, you know what? We have a short-term solution. I didn't say it's long, okay? But when you sit there and talk about, you know, 300 families, 1,000 families, you talk about a million people immigrating into a country, there's no roofs. Or is there? You know what? There's all sorts of cities across Canada that are facing these huge vacancy rates in their commercial properties. And you could turn around and create a solution. Get out of the way and let it happen. You want to sit there and talk about millions of dollars, how you're going to subsidize rents or, you know, you're going to give money to tenants? Rent it yourself, okay? I'm pretty sure the average major landlord will accept a lease from the government of Ontario, government of Toronto, government of Canada, you know what? We're pretty sure you're going to pay your rent because you sure don't want to be hauled into your LTV. So ultimately, in the end, I think we need to focus on one important aspect. The solutions out there. Stop crying foul. Stop making it the responsibility of the mom and pop landlords. Turn around and do something about it yourself. You have the power. You have the money. Just make it happen. Anyways, that's my rant for this week. You know what? I, uh, I got to tell you, it's just one of those things. I look at the numbers and it's staggering. And it shouldn't be the responsibility of you and I and, and, and just, you know, the average Canadian. It should be the responsibility of the government to solve this. And clearly they don't have a clue. Anyways, as I mentioned, coming up after the break, uh, join me. We've got the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And if you're not following me on Instagram, do it. Be Simple Investor 1. Oh, I'm going to keep going with these rants there, so don't you worry. We'll be right back after this.
And welcome back. As I mentioned just before the break, uh, it is the time for the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And this month, um, I've got a, a new person in the studio with me. And I told you she'd be joining me uh, last month. I've got Bryn Lackey joining me. And of course, Bryn writes a column for the Toronto Sun. Hey, you want to catch some really fun stuff, make sure you uh, read her column as well. She is a realtor with Chestnut Park. And via via, this is so cool. We've got Dave Butler zooming in from far, far away. And he he just said, he he told us, we just can't miss the Real Estate Talk Triangle because there's so much to unwind today. Holy smoke. So Dave, welcome from afar. Amazing, amazing to be here. Thank you for, for hooking it up and making sure I can do this with you guys. So that's cool. So I'm going to jump in right away with you because we, since you've been away, we've seen two major things happen, right? We saw the fact that the, um, the inflationary index, uh, wow, big, big change, you know, dropped to 2.8. And then on top of that, Bank of Canada said, hey, you guys are down. I'm going to kick you and throw a quarter point. So Dave, lots to unwrap. How will you get started? Yeah, what an interesting time to be alive. Uh, you know, we, I, I think, kind of goes without saying, right? I mean, we've got, you know, inflation down to a level that I think a lot of economists would say at least the headline number is something that you probably wouldn't want to raise interest rates into. Um, you've also got, and a lot of people aren't talking about it, you've got an, uh, basically a reduction of the M2 money supply that's been happening for quite some time. And traditionally, they say that if you raise rates into such a economic function that that's generally not good uh, for the future. So, you know, you've got every economist seems to be having a different take, uh, a different story, if you will. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, look, we, we've got the generally speaking, they, they say that they start to lower rates when the target rate uh, is sitting at a level where it's about 2% above inflation. Well, we're 2.2% above inflation currently. Um, and of course, now the government is saying that core inflation is now the new thing that they have to look at. So again, apparently core inflation is a little bit sticky, but everything that I've read says that it's generally a three to four month laggard data press. So we will see. It sounds like Bank of Canada is going to stay put for a while and see how core inflation reacts. But I, 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 I like where we're at as far as inflation goes. And uh, I think obviously we got what, August, I think it's August August 10th, I think, is is the U.S. CPI date coming out, and then August 15th for Canada. So I think we have a lot of information coming out next month. So one of the things, Dave, this past week, of course, um, the U.S. Fed decided to, uh, again, throw a little little bit of uh, wood on the fire. They went to a, another quarter point. And now some of the, the big money managers there are saying that, they're gonna. They're, they're really trying to drive them into a recession to the point where the U.S. Fed may have to come out with a full point reduction in the future, not not like staggering it down. They think that they're as usual. will have to sw swing the pendulum a lot farther. Well, I think that was always the thing we had talked about, right? Was that you know if they're gonna do these aggressive, violent increases, generally speaking, the reciprocal event to that would be big drops. And then, of course, you know, the talk was, oh, hey, you know, they'll be able to drop, you know, uh, you know, the stagger it down. But again, these these continued increases, um, you know, I think we all know people that are suffering right now that are having problems. Um, and if the Bank of Canada and if the U.S. Fed 
is not looking to lower rates until next year, how much more pain is going to be inflicted? And of course, you get to a point where if there's too much pain inflicted, as you're talking about and as has been alluded to, you might have to have big reductions down. And I just wonder, you know, is it really smart to get into a game of big increases and decreases in central bank rates? I mean, I, I, you, we all come from a time where I used to tell clients, you never have to worry about anything really more than a quarter point increase or decrease, right? Nowadays, you know, we can't say that. Nowadays, in the last year, we've had 1%, three quarter percent, half a point seem like nothing anymore. So very interesting times we're, we're living in, but I don't know. I feel like I'm the kind of guy I would like to get back to some normalcy. I'd like to get back to regular increases and decreases by these central banks because the way this is going, it's, the volatility is still so high. I just, I think we as Canadians and just overall, we should want to see interest rates get a little, a little bit more stable. That's all. Yeah, which makes a lot of sense. So, Bryn, you know, Dave, Dave does, you know, have a have a good point. You know, you you are living and breathing the real estate market right now. We saw that quarter point. Have you seen things quiet down in the marketplace? Yeah, I mean, I think it's been a very quiet summer, which is not much of a surprise. I think a lot of people kind of anticipated a quiet summer. We had one last year. We saw certainly after the COVID freight train um, a return to some seasonality again. Um, I think that we had a really hot spring, largely boosted, I think, by the sentiment improving, thinking that the banks were done, that we were just going to hold. And I think that really impacted sentiment in a really demonstrable way when you look at what kind of numbers we were seeing through the spring, especially in light of the fact that we have very low inventory. Um, summer got quiet. We're not seeing a ton of new listings, particularly downtown, though some would say, nice try. We're actually seeing inventory levels grow. That's not even in uniform across um, across the pro GTA province country. You know, I think it's all very micro market targeted again. Um, so yeah, things are quiet, but uh, I work with a stager who just had what she said, and they're very, you know, busy stagers. They do a lot of work. They said they just had the busiest July in, you know, since being in business. So I certainly think there's a lot sort of happening out there. I don't think it's what we got used to as the norm through COVID. Yeah. And, you know, Dave, uh, Bryn makes a great point as far as, you know, activity. And we're talking about the the summer months here. Um, you know, when we see activity, you know, there are people that are taking time off. You know, there are people that, you know, decide that, hey, we're going to treat a summer like a summer. That seasonality of real estate transactions, which also affects mortgages, which is normally delayed by, you know, several months. But ultimately, in the end, I think we might have returned to more of a what I would call the seasonal market that we've experienced for the last 20 years prior to COVID. Yeah. And in a weird way, I welcome it. Right. I mean, there, you know, I, <laughs> those years during COVID, it felt like there was no break. Um, you know, and normally you could go through this spring summer pickup by the time the end of the summer would kind of get there. The banks would all be kind of, you know, they, they'd be over overworked, understaffed. It always felt like they needed that, you know, fall and winter season to get back to normal. Um, and we didn't get that in 2020 and we didn't get that in 2021. Um, so I kind of welcome it. You know, I think what happened was, and I think Britain made a great point that, you know, we really, it felt like the, the spring market almost got its last leg cut off in a weird way. Um, uh, you know, it, it, we needed a bit more of that, of that June. Um, and it seemed to really die off with that rate increase. And so we've noticed that our, our August closings are not very impressive and traditionally, 
on the mortgage side, July and August are going to be the busiest months as far as closings go. Um, it's looking like, sadly, our June is going to end up being our busiest closing month, which is more reflective of how, you know, when the Bank of Canada paused, we really saw that uptick, as Bryn was mentioning. So, um, you know, again, we're definitely, it definitely looks like return to seasonality, which, again, I appreciate. I think most people in the business like like that and the ability to predict that. Um, but it that did feel like it got a bit cut short in a way. Um, and those quarter percent increases really did, as Brent says, it, it destroyed sentiment from what we can tell. Yeah. You know, and that's that's one of those things that, um, you know, and we're going to talk more about the headlines when we come back from our break, because we've got conflicting reports. And I think the two of you are well aware of them. One minute they're saying market's getting quiet. No, it's a seller's market. How Whose market is it? And this is one of the biggest questions that in the real estate, you know, timing, um, you know, everybody wants to time the market. And quite frankly, this is not the time to start playing that game. And it is a game for some. Um, and speaking of, hey, how would you like to own an investment property with only a 3.99% mortgage? I'm going to watch Dave's eyes pop out of his head. Uh, that's right. Coming up on Thursday, August the 24th at 7 p.m., join me for my Simple Seminar webinar. We've got a special program that we're launching for this new release that's going to allow people to have a mortgage at the rate of 3.99% guaranteed rent, positive cash flow, no tenant interaction. So go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. You don't want to miss out on this opportunity. And when we come back, I've got more with Bryn Lackey and Dave Butler. So stay with us. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back. If you're tuning in, this is the part of our show we call the Real Estate Talk Triangle. And in the hot seat this month, I've got Bryn Lackey. Um, Bryn has uh, graciously decided to hop on the triangle. And we've got Dave Butler overseas, and uh, hopefully he's not cooking too much in his car. But um, great to have the two of you on. You know, we've had a great conversation so far. Uh, Dave, of course, talking about interest rates and a lot that's going on in the world of the banking industry. You know, it's getting a little frustrating, though, because it seems like they talk out of both sides of their of their mouths, right? Like one minute they're telling everybody we need a certain inflationary number. And when it's starting to happen out of nowhere, they say, well, let's kick you one more time. Um, is, is there and, and I'm going to put you on the spot. Is there anything coming out of the mouths of the Bank of Canada, U.S. Fed, that we can actually believe? I mean, if that one's to me, uh, I think at this point, no. I mean, uh, you know, I, if anything, I think a lot of people are doing the contra game with respect to central banks, meaning whatever they say, you kind of look the opposite way. Um, you know, we were, without a doubt, misled by this government, uh, by our uh, our finance, well, our, our governor of the Bank of Canada, Tiff Macklem, um, you know, I, I, that that clip always resonates with me, you know, and we always see it where he's telling Canadians to make big purchases. And if you have a business, make big investments, interest rates are going to stay low for a long, long time. Uh, you know, it's, it's, you know, I think that statement alone and then the preceding events that happened, um, are, is such that trusting what the central banks say is uh, is tough. Um, I know for me personally, you know, it's almost become a game of trying to find out what what direction are they trying to steer us so that we know where to actually make our decisions. Um, and I know for myself, I have zero trust in the Bank of Canada and what they say. And that's why I think a lot of Canadians are going and looking at their own economic data. I know it's crazy because... 
you know, for years and years and years, we could just listen and hope and trust these, you know, these the government economists and everyone else. But uh, the reality is now I think more and more Canadians are trying to get their own information from their own sources and making their own decisions based on that. And uh, I don't fault them for it. I really don't fault them for it. You know, Bryn, Dave makes a great point there. And, you know, I, I put up a post. I kind of went off on the bank account a little, Dave. I know you saw it. You know, I, I, I actually swore. Um, and it was funny because uh, we still continued to get reactions to it. And most of them, you know, in agreement that, you know, we were just absolutely lied to. But Dave and, and Bryn, you know, one of the things that happened was a lot of people were commenting saying, well, what did you think? You know, this is the government. Bryn, you know, as Dave said, it's like now people uh, really should do more homework on their own because for many, many years we trusted what they said. Yes, I will also say I had a conversation with someone recently who said who highlighted for me the reality that this is sort of the first economic crisis we've had in the Twitter age. And historically, Bank of Canada, they would have their meetings, they would issue their forward guidance, you would get their press release and you would read it. And then everyone would walk away and, you know, throw that into the hopper and formulate their opinion. Now, I think because information is everywhere and there is a I think there is a more common element of distrust of, you know, the powers that be. I think a lot of people have been formulating their own perspective on what's to come. And I think, you know, you saw that because the bank would come out and they would say rates are going to, you know, we're bringing them down or sorry, we're going to bump it up a little bit and we're going to hold as long as we need to. And then I think, Dave, you can attest to this, you know, three days later, the bond markets go, no, 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 just, I don't think so. They're, and they would start pricing in reductions and you would see the five-year fixed rates, three-year fixed rates, you would see that, you know, reflected there. So I wonder how much of where we're at right now is the levers have changed, sort of the mechanics with which the central banks can sort of um, impact inflation has shifted because it's it's almost like a train running out of control. They cannot get it back under control under the traditional means. And we're all sitting here going, hold on, you know, we forever, Tiff Macklem will have haunt, be haunted by the, you know, rates are low and they're going to stay low for a while until they can't be, right? You know, the big caveat. Sure. So I think so much of this, yeah, we all do have to, you know, think long and hard about what information we're processing and receiving and how, you know, much stock we're putting into it. But I think also we're kind of in uncharted territory. Yeah. And, you know, that, that's a brilliant point. You know, Dave, uh, Bryn brings up a couple of really good points there. Uh, one being also the social media aspect of things and how everybody um, has an opinion. And, you know, it's if you can if you can start up an account, you can vent your spleen. Right. And, you know, I know, you know, some, you know, mortgage people out there that are spew all sorts of crap. Um, you know, we see it from the, the real estate agents perspective, you know, the same thing. You know, I think a lot of people want to be TikTok stars more than their actual realtors, you know, and then you take everybody who, you know, if they have an opinion, they can throw it out. You know, some people would say, hey, Todd, you've got an opinion. Yeah, I've got 30 years in real estate. So how about we back that up? <laughs> but, you know, Dave, here's the thing. Bryn made probably the best point is that we get information instantaneously and it can be moved around the world instantaneously and you can react to it. It's not the same. Yeah, no, it's 100% not the same. I mean, you know, Bryn alluded to the bond market. I mean, it, you know, in the past, there was a way of being able to read the yields and kind of really get a good idea as to what was going to happen. 
we saw the five-year bond yield down at 2.6%, which traditionally would allow the banks to have uh, a five-year fixed rate, you know, around 4% or above. Um, and we didn't see any movement. We actually, in essence, saw the banks sit back and wait. And uh, of course, as Brent alluded to, we saw the yields jump up. And of course, now in hindsight, we realized that, you know, the smart money knew that core inflation was going to get a little bit sticky and that they knew how the governments were going to react. And I think that's what we're seeing. And that's, it's funny because there was so much weird activity going on in the bond yield market um, that seemed to not make sense. You know, every day I'm waking up and I'm seeing good news as far as interest rates coming down, but yet yields going back up. And again, really, you know, and it goes back to our, our previous point. You almost can't trust some of the stuff that we see and you can't trust some of the stuff that um, we don't see anymore. I mean, the reality is, is we have to make our own decisions and we have to try to see where they're misleading us or leading us. You know, it's a game, sadly, and it just feels wrong that we have to react and use this type of behavior when we're talking about central banks, people we're supposed to trust. It just doesn't seem to make sense to me. You know, uh, Dave, um, you missed uh, Bryn's Bryn's recent article, um, but Bryn did <laughs> allude to, you know, these are our leaders. Bryn, talk to us about an article that you wrote. I still have PTSD from the follow-up from that one. Um, so typically I try to stay in my lane, which is real estate, and that's, you know, I think a safe way to be, you know. But beyond that, I am someone who's immersed in real estate and some of the policy decisions that impact real estate around us. And so every now and then I'm also a Canadian who is going, what on earth is happening? Uh, so last last week, as you know, I'm we're in the midst of this inflation crisis. We're hearing about it constantly. We're hearing theories from very smart people about what's to come, how we got here, how we get out of it. I read that um, the NDP leader Jagmeet Singh, you know, wants bailouts for homeowners. He wants really, you know, help for homeowners to offset the rise in interest payments for their mortgages. And there was something about that that made me go bananas because I thought, what are we doing? Like, we know that, okay, again, my critic will say, we do not know. Consensus says that government spending impacts inflation. You know, it's probably not a coincidence that following the COVID response, which is essentially printing and flooding the economy with money in order to keep the lights on through this unprecedented time, we then came out of that with this really sticky, really problematic inflation crisis. So hearing them say, let's print some money and buy our way out of this, which we, I think even me, just a dumb real estate agent, um, is going to prolong the pain. And I sit here and I think about it from the perspective of we have a rental housing crisis where people cannot stay in their apartments because they're owned by investors who are trying to offload them now, do sneaky things to try to get them out because their interest payments, their mortgage payments have shot right up. So that what's happening in the housing market is directly impacting renters. We now have record high um, average rents. And so when you're sitting there saying, let's bail out those with mortgages and neglecting the reality that the tenants are the ones who are hurt by this, it's saying there's only one part of this piece that we're willing to look at. And we know that inflation directly impacts the um, uh, low-income people who are not, they don't hold mortgages. They're staying in the grocery store. So I can have you hold that thought. I got to go quick break, but stay with us, folks. We'll be right back with Bryn Lackey and Dave Butler. We'll be right back.
And welcome back. So uh, we're with the Real Estate Talk Triangle. I've got Bryn Lackey in the hot seat here. And in a hot seat over across the pond, we got Dave Butler hanging out in a car, you know, uh, wanting to share, you know, Real Estate Talk Triangle. It never misses, which is awesome. And thanks, Dave, for doing that. Uh, Bryn, just before the break, we were chatting about uh, your article and you're a little fired up and... Mm -hmm. We're talking about, you know, uh, Jagmeet Singh actually turning around and making the, you know, looking for a bailout, um, you know, for, for, you know, homeowners, landlords, you know, we know that the, the increase in rents has been significant. Uh, we know that there are, you know, I would say, um, you know, incorrect offside landlords that are trying to evict people to change up rents. Um, I also have to say that, you know, and, and part of your article really did expand on how broken the landlord tenant boards are. Yeah. Okay. And I think if there's one crutch of the the landlord issue, that would be it for sure. Because mm -hmm. the, just so you know, not, folks, 90% of all cases in front of the LTB right now are for non-payment of rent. Yeah. Okay. 90%. And so, you know, as a landlord, and everybody knows I'm the simple investor, as a landlord, you know, uh, we try to hold ourselves to a, a, a decent standard. So if somebody doesn't pay rent, they're doing that in most, in a lot of cases, maliciously, because we don't up our rents other than what the provincial standards is. Mm -hmm. So when you take a look at our current system, it is massively broken. But I think one of the things is that we just don't have any rentals. And part of my, my earlier rant uh, at the top of the show I did bring in the fact that, you know, we've got governing bodies saying we've got to help out, you know, some of these refugees. We got to put them up. Hey, landlords, let them into your property. But yet you've got a commercial situation here where the vacancies are massive. Like we're, like we're sitting at 18% commercial vacancy right now in the downtown core. Why not take a couple of floors in those buildings and tell you what, put them in to make them like a little, uh, you know, hostess. But wouldn't it be amazing if when politicians are throwing these pie-in-the-sky ideas out there that they know will never happen, i.e. bailouts for mortgage holders, they try some big, bold idea like converting vacant commercial space into housing? Yeah, that's what I'm like, saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, Can we just take some big ideas here instead of doing these things that consistently, to me, as a voter, as a citizen, and yes, just a real estate agent, feels disingenuous and we're sitting here in a crisis so did my column lean into the reality that i'm looking around us and steeped because i immerse myself in this pretty much constantly um when i hear these ideas get thrown out as you know sort of fodder for voters it drives me crazy because as long as we have a landlord tenant board and yes just to be clear that's provincial responsibility so it's on the provincial government to remedy that if we have a landlord tenant board that is functionally non-functional it might be operating but like the lights are on but no one is doing anything it's egregious because that is the front line of a rental housing crisis landlords need advocacy tenants need advocacy and it just is not working under its current um, state and so as long as we have that going on i don't know what, why we're talking about anything else yeah so dave just so you know there was an article that came out and the new mayor elect uh, olivia chow um was pleading to all landlords out there to allow some refugees to into their properties. And, you know, one of my big problems with all of this is that who's going to pay the landlord? And what they're saying, just as a lot of government subsidies are out there, they give it to the tenant. The tenant doesn't pay, right? They put the money in their pocket. The, t the landlord can't get them out. I can tell you, as a landlord, I'm going through a situation right now 
where you know there this this person's government subsidy they they would not pay the landlord us and they went in the rears 18 months we tried numerous times to get them out they owe us 18 months in rent and they were given because we got verification the government gave them the rental money yeah i mean uh what a what a sad state of affairs. I mean, uh, I, I I can remember the days speaking to our real estate investors, and there'd be the odd time where he would say, uh, you know, he or she would say, yeah, I have to go to a landlord tenant uh, uh, board hearing. And I remember being like, oh well, that that's so rare. That doesn't happen a lot. That's you know, that was that was kind of like the downside of renting out a home back in the day, right? I mean, you would say, oh well, if they don't pay me, I'm gonna have to deal with that. But it was so rare. Um, you know, the, the conversations I'm having with people, real estate agents, real estate investors, regular people, um, they, they, there's more times that they're talking about being at hearings and whatnot. I mean, just literally the other day, I had to reschedule a client call because he was at a landlord 10 board hearing. Uh, it's, this has now become the norm. And, you know, it goes back to something Bryn said there earlier. And I, I wonder really, you know, why this commercial you know, vacancy is not being looked at in a different way. You know, the reality is this. I truly do believe that this reason you're seeing these vacancies is because COVID sped up something that a lot of other businesses for years before were trying to do, which is go remote. And I know there are certainly always going to be lots of businesses that will not be able to offer remote. I understand that. COVID has sped up the game. This We would have been dealing with this issue of vacancies in commercial 10 years from now, but it got sped up. And I don't believe it's going to get fixed. I believe that we're starting to see a normalization, meaning, you know, they, we did lose a percentage of companies that would be using office buildings and that I don't think they're going to come back. And I don't believe there's going to be new industries that are going to come in and going to need that space. So why are we not to putting out some plan, like Bryn says, why is someone not grabbing the bull by the horns and trying to do something about this? Because the reality is, is we are sitting here with a supply crisis. These people can't get homes. We're trying to tell other homeowners to put them in, but yet, but yet, tell me why we are just sitting there with how much square footage of unused space that re in reality might only take six months to eight months to 12 months to convert. That to me is crazy. Yeah, and Dave, that's a good point because we've got millions of square feet now available in the commercial space of the GTA, no problem. And at the same breath, it's already there. Infrastructure's already in place. You've got most of your stuff that you need. And yet, you know, in, and as you mentioned, you know, quick quick turnover. I can tell you that, you know, three to six months, um, you know, three months even just to have like decent accommodations would be very, very easy. But yet, they want to throw it on the voter. And Bryn, you know, you had alluded to this. They put it on the voter to say, solve our problems, you know, like support us. But I don't see the government turning around guaranteeing me, the homeowner who would put somebody in my house, the money. If they turn around and all they do, their only solution is, we'll give it to the person, but they're good, they'll pay you. Then there is nobody that's going to jump at this. Because right now, I can tell you, landlords are very nervous about having people rent properties. Yes, yes, absolutely. And when I have clients who say, oh, I think I'd like an investment property, I go, hold the phone. Like, let's talk about what that looks like or can look like. And to Dave's point, frequently looks like these days. Um, I want to be clear, there are some amazing tenants. By and large, most tenants are incredible. Yep. I think right now there are a lot of tenants who are um, 
the victims of this crisis with interest rates where their landlords are impacted by costs and their costs are hindered. Uh, sorry, their their costs stay the same. Um, and the rent they can get is limited by, you know, stipulations in the in the Residential Tenancy Act. So you're seeing people get desperate and then try to get rid of tenants and you're seeing shady things happen all the time. Tenants need people to advocate for them very, very clearly. Um, I think the interesting part to your point about what Mayor Chow said about, you know, um, they should just be forgiving rent. If we were back in the time when CMHC actually produced rental, like purpose-built rental buildings, and the government had some skin in the game here, that would be a reasonable conversation. I think we can actually see a straight line, straight line down, um, from when the government got out of the business of building rental housing. And that was directly tied to CMHC policies change, changing, tax breaks changing, all of those structures changing. So they turned it to investors to sort of pick up the ball and provide the housing. And now here we are, push is coming to shove. And what are we doing to protect the people who stepped in to fill that gap that government kind of left? And that's the thing I keep coming back to is at all levels, you can see these very obvious things. Yeah. And you just point it out sometimes. Yeah. Listen, Bryn, great having you uh, jump in on the show with us this week. Um, I, I do want to thank Dave Butler. We did lose him eventually, but I do want to thank him for, for joining us from across the pond. He's on vacation, but I do appreciate him like tuning in to be part of the show. So Dave, thanks so much for joining us this week and being part of the Real Estate Talk Triangle. Bryn, thank you so much. And of course, um, I do want to thank my producers, uh, Omar and Aiden. They're keeping it simple for me every single week. And of course, Ian Grant at Head Office. But more importantly, I want to thank you for tuning in. You are making us the number one real estate talk show. And of course, we'll be back next Sunday. And hey, if you haven't put it in your calendar, make sure you do it. The Simple Seminar Webinar coming up on Thursday, August 24th, 7 p.m. Go to thesimpleinvestor.com to register. That's right. We've got an investment property release coming out at 3.99% interest rate. You don't want to miss out on this information. Only way you're going to find out about it is at night. And I'm your host, Todd C. Slater. You've been listening to Simply Real Estate right here on Newstalk 1010 Toronto.